0: your bibles and turn over there i'm thankful for the opportunity to preach and uh, god has stirred me on several different passages of scripture but opened the door for this passage of scripture to be what we look at this evening there were several uh passages in first kings but i've preached so many messages recently in the old testament in fact brother john altice came to me And he says, I've been enjoying your Old Testament messages. And I thought, you know, I have been preaching out of the Old Testament a lot. And I really enjoy the New Testament. So I I love this little passage in Philippians. And Philippians chapter number 1, verse number 12, we'll look at this together. Paul starts his letter just giving some introductory things here to the church at Philippi. And in verse number 12, here's what he says. But I would, you should understand, brethren. And I hope we all get this passage. That those things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. That verse is underlined in my Bible. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ. "...even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill, The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, but supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set free for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer." and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I want to look at this passage for just a few minutes this evening talk about this subject no joy father would you help us tonight i pray that you'd guide and direct our thoughts i pray that you guide and direct and all that is said and done tonight we'll give you the praise the honor and all the glory for it's in your name we pray amen you know what's interesting to me is the fruit of the spirit right love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness meekness faith and i we go through uh, all these uh the fruits of the spirit you know what I, I say? Probably one of the easiest fruits of the spirit. I don't know why I say this, but one of the easiest fruits of the spirits as a Christian to have is joy. I mean, think about it. Everything's, everything's done. God has died. Christ has died on the cross so that we could spend eternity in a place called heaven. Should that not make us the most joyous people in the entire world? I mean, think about it. That right, that alone ought to make us the most joyous people in the world. Yet I think sometimes Christians are some of the most grumpiest, complacent, and nasty people on the planet. Think about it. Isn't that the weirdest thing? God died. Christ, God sent his only begotten son so that we could have eternal life. And yet we walk around like we got a chip on our shoulder and we're the most grumpy people in the world. Joy ought to be the thing that every Christian ought to have and hold on to, and it ought to be a big part of your life. Why? Because Christ died for you. I mean, think about it. That's the most important thing in the world. Hey, we got love. We, we can do love. Okay, I can love my neighbor as myself. We got peace. We can kind of keep peace with our people. But joy just seems to be one of those things that we as Christians just go, yeah, I don't need to have that. Joy ought to be that thing that ought to be the thing that we grab onto. It ought to be the thing that is just glowing from our face. As Moses will look later, Moses was glowing when he was with God. It ought to be like that. The joy of the Lord is our strength and it ought to be that thing that goes forth and everybody sees about us. Why? Because Christ died for you. Christ died for everybody. He knows that there is nothing better in this world than, it, there's nothing better in this world than accepting Jesus Christ. There's nothing better. And yet, we that have accepted Jesus Christ and we that know heaven is our home and know that there is, a, there is a heaven to gain, we walk around defeated. We walk around as if there's nothing. Now I get it. I do, I do. I think sometimes there are times where there's phases in life where joy just is not there. There's things that happen in our life that steal our joy. I get it. But as a normal part of our Christian life, joy ought to be something that flows out of every one of us. It ought to be something that flows out of every part of our life. John 15, uh, John fifteen eleven. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. God's idea of our Christian walk is one that's done in joy. I mean, think about it. God says, hey, I'm giving you my joy. It will remain in you. Why am I giving you my joy? So that it would remain full. So you don't walk around defeated. So you don't walk around like there's a, there's some, there's always something wrong. Look, notice how many times Paul said in the first couple chapters of Philippians. I want you to look at Philippians. Uh, look, uh, turn the page back to Philippians 1.4. He said, always in every prayer of mine for you, always all making requests. What did he make his request with? Joy. Verse number 18 of chapter 1. He goes forth and he says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice and will rejoice. He's getting, He's there's people that are opposing him, and he says, you know what, it's okay, I'm going to rejoice anyways. Verse number 2, uh, chapter number 2, verse number 18. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Verse Chapter number four, skip over to that page. Four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord. This is the famous passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You think, cho- uh, you think Paul was a joyful person? I, this whole passage of this whole book of Philippians, its idea is that of joy. In fact, Warren Wiersbe's commentary on Philippians is be joyful. Why? Because all throughout Philippians, you see the joy of the Lord written all over the words of Paul the Apostle. You see it written all over it. And you say, well... How, how did, how did Paul find it so easy to just keep going on joyful and sharing joy all the time? He must have had a really easy life. I mean, things must have been really good for Paul because if he was able to be this joyful, he didn't face the things I face. I mean, look at the things I face. I face lots of terrible things. Paul must have had it really easy. Second Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the things that have happened to him. He said of the Jews five times, I received forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robber, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, I don't think Paul had it easy. I think sometimes we look at that and we, I think if we were Paul, after the first time we got 40 40 stripes, save one, the 39 stripes after that, I think we would have called it quits and said, yeah, I'm out. He said five of those. He was beaten three times. He was stoned once. We look at that and we go, yep, means for me to quit. I'm out. But yet all through the writings of Philippians, we see uh, Paul, the apostle who goes rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice, rejoice evermore. And we look at that and we go, well, Paul didn't face what I face. Yes, Paul faced what we face and more. Paul didn't have the luxury of being in America where he had the freedom to worship God freely. He didn't. You know what I think? That may have added to his joy. Why? Because he really was stuck to Christ. He had to prove that he was stuck to Christ to Christ and what he had. Paul didn't have it easy. And tonight I want to look at some of those things. We won't be long tonight, but I want to look at some of those things that Paul saw value in that helped him keep the joy of the Lord. There were certain things that Paul saw value in that helped him keep the joy of the Lord. And I think if we keep our minds on those same things and we see value in those same things that Paul saw value in, I think it'll help us as we try to have the joy of the Lord in our life. And we Try to keep this fruit of the spirit of joy. So what did Paul see value in? Number one, I want you to notice this: He saw value in the prison. Man, let's go back to verse number 12. Would you go back to Philippians 1:12 with me? He said, "But I would, you should understand. Now, mind you, we're going to back up for a second. Paul is writing this epistle in prison, okay? He's writing to this church of Philippi in prison. I want you to notice what he says. I would, because a lot of people are like, man, Paul's in prison. The man of God that was doing such good, now he's locked away, nothing can happen. And he says, look... I would you should understand brethren that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. People are like, "Oh, Paul is wrapped up in prison. He can't do anything. There's nothing that's going to be reached. There's nobody's going to be reached with the gospel." And he says, "Hold on. These things have happened to me for the furtherance of the gospel. Not they're they're not holding the gospel back. There's nobody chaining God up here. They've just got me." That's all. But there's nothing that's going to stop the furtherance of the gospel. Look what he says. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Look at verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word of fear. What is the word he keeps using? Bonds. Chains. He's, he's chained up. But I want you to listen to me for just a second. Because the same God that used Moses' rod to lead the children across the Red Sea on dry ground is that God that's got uh, Paul's chains. The same God that used Gideon's pitchers with 300 men to defeat the Midianite army with 130,000 men is the God that's watching over Paul. The same God who used David's sling to defeat Goliath is the same God that's watching over Paul. The same God that shut the mouth of the lions in Daniel's lion's den is the same God that's watching over Paul. And that's the same God that's going to use the chains that are shackling Paul, that are going to use them to further the gospel. And I want you to just catch this. I want you to just notice this spirit here. He said, notice that what he says in verse number 12, brethren, that, th- that the things which have happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. This is how I picture it, right? I'm a very visual person. I see things in, 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 like pictures, right? So I picture Paul being in prison. Now the camera's gonna have to follow me here, so I apologize, but he gets down. I can imagine him. Now in a Roman prison, in these prisons, they're shackled to a, they're shackled to a prison, uh, uh, guard all the time, 24 hours a day. So I want you to think about this. Paul, he's got these shackles on and he's shackled to another Roman prisoner. And we'd go, that's awful. That's terrible. Like, I'd be looking, did you shower today? What's wrong with you? Something is weird in here. Something smells a little weird in here. Did did you really not clip your toenails? Like, come on, man. And I can just picture Paul over here shackled up with this Roman prisoner. And we look at that and we'd notice all the negatives. We'd be like, they stink. It's really bad in here. The food is awful in here. I'm stuck to a person 24 hours a day. There's no good that's ever going to come from me being stuck in this prison. God, free me from this prison so I can do the things that you've called me to do. And I'm not going to be joyous until you do it. That's what we would say. But you know what Paul does? Paul's looking at this like, I got an opportunity to share the gospel with four prison guards a day. There's four guys. They have six-hour shifts, 24 hours a day. So now he's got four guys he's got to share the gospel with where he, while he's shackled up in prison. And I can just picture Paul. Hey, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? I can just <laughs> picture it. And he's he, he does not look at this opportunity and go, Oh man, get me out of here. I just can't wait to get out of this place. It's so awful. No, he looks at it and he goes, I got four people a day I can share the gospel with. I got four people a day that God has given right to me, can't go anywhere. They're stuck. Some of you would love that, to talk to someone for six hours a day, and they can't go anywhere. Some of you would really like that. Some of you would rather crawl in a hole and never, ever do that. But Paul looks at it, and he goes, God's given me an opportunity. He's giving me an opportunity and I'm going to take it. I can just picture them as he's writing these, these epistles, right? He's writing the book of Philippians. He's writing to that church. And I can just picture as they're sitting right next to him. You can't tell me that guard did not just look over and see what he was writing. Rejoice. Rejoice evermore. And again, I say rejoice. And he's, t- he's writing these things. And picture that, that, that jailer, that, that prison guard. He looks, he goes, Rejoice. How how are you going to tell someone to rejoice and you're stuck in a prison? How How do you do that? You know how? You have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. And Paul is the essence of having the joy of the Lord. And in Philippians, we see it all over the place. They saw him say, rejoice evermore. They probably saw him write, pray without ceasing. They probably saw firsthand how many times a day he got on his knees before God. And he saw God's face and said, God, help me. Help me to reach out to those people who need to hear the gospel. Help those people who need to know you as personal Savior. Help them. Father, use me. And I'm sure many times he used that opportunity to reach out to those. Many of us get put into situations where we think we're in prison. And we think that there's just shackles around us and God's not going to be able to use me because I have these shackles all around me. And God can't do anything good with these shackles. And I'm going to be the first to tell you tonight, though there's shackles, and you may feel like there's things that are holding you down, don't let the God that that was able to use a sling, that was able to use 300 pitchers against 130,000 men, don't let God be hindered because of what you are saying you are. Break free from those and say, God, use me. I may feel like I'm shackled. I may feel like there I have no joy in my life, but use me, God. Do what you can with my life. And Paul was so forward about saying, guess what? This is where God has me for the time being. And if you're in a spot right now where you go, man, I really wish I wouldn't be here. You think Paul wanted to be in prison? You think Paul wanted to be shackled to another man 24 hours a day? No, that's weird. No, he does not want to be there. I promise you. But you know what? Paul took that opportunity and he used it to further the gospel as a result. But I want you to notice what it says in verse number 14. Would you look at verse number 14? He says, And many of the brethren in the Lord. Now watch what he says. Waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Notice what he says. He's like, there are people that have watched the fact that I am in bonds. There are people that have seen that I am arrested and I'm in prison. And you know what he says? They are waxing confident by my bonds. Why? Because through the bonds and the chains that were all over Paul, people watched him with joy take everything that God was doing with his life and further the gospel as a result. And now these people who are watching Paul and they're seeing what's going on and how he's having the joy of the Lord sitting in prison and how he has this joy all over him, they're watching and now they are getting excited about the things that God can do through them and they don't have chains on. Think about it. You ever watch somebody go through a real struggle in life and you've watched them trust God through the whole thing? I've watched many times as many of you have walked through valleys, through struggles in your life. And many of you have just said, God, I'm trusting God. Johnny, I I don't know what God is doing here. I don't know why He's put me in this prison. I don't know why this is something He shackled me with. But I'm trusting God through it. You know what that does to the people around you that watch you go through that? It gives them confidence. It helps other people look at that and go, they're doing, they're serving God through that. They're serving God and continuing on, even though that's happening in their life. You know what? It's nothing for me to just continue to serve God. I should continue to serve God. I ought to be a joyous Christian. I ought to have the joy of the Lord in my life. If they can have joy going through that, I can have joy right now. And there were people that were having confidence, many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by Paul's bonds. And so tonight I just want you to know there is a value in the prison. You may think that God has shackled you down and held you down, but just as Paul was in the prison and it happened for the furtherance of the gospel, I want you to notice tonight, use those things that God has placed in your life for the furtherance of the gospel and have the joy of the Lord through it. Why? Because he can take whatever it is in your life and can multiply it a hundredfold. Have the joy of the Lord in your life. Sometimes that those chains that we have, those things that are holding us down, that prison is stealing our joy. I want you to think, there was a story I read of a man who was on a boat coming from, he was crossing the Atlantic, and he was laying in his bunk in a storm, and he was very, very sick, deathly sick, seasick, coming across. And he's laying in his bunk, and he hears these words, Man port. And he, this is what he thought to himself, God help the poor fellow out there. There's nothing I can do. He's seasick. I mean, he's seasick. So there's nothing I can do. But then he thought, well, maybe I can put my lantern to this porthole. Maybe that'll do something. And many of us laugh, right? Like that's going to do anything. It wasn't a few seconds later, the man was rescued and taken out of the water. And the next day, he's recounting the story. Here's what he said. He said, I was going down in the darkness for the last time when someone put a light in a porthole. It shone on my hand, and the sailor in the lifeboat grabbed my hand and pulled me in. Chains are no excuse for not serving God. Chains are no excuse for not having the joy of the Lord being our strength. So David being a little shepherd boy, God used him. Moses being just a normal man, God used him. Don't let the chains of life steal your joy. Glorify God through that. Use it to further the gospel. But number two, he didn't just see value in the prisons. He saw value in prayer. Look at verse number 19. I want you to catch this. He says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through what? Your prayers and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice in all of Paul's writings what he says. Ephesians 1.16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Philippians 1.4 Always in every prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy. Colossians 1.3 We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Colossians 1.9 For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. Do you catch a pattern here? I didn't even go through all of them. Pa- Paul goes, hey, We're praying. I'm a praying person. I'm going to speak to God. There's things going on in life and I'm going to seek God's face. He sees the importance of prayer. John Bunyan once said, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. I want you to think about this. Who's the source of our joy as a Christian? The The Lord. The Lord is my strength. He is my light, right? The Lord is the source of our strength. And if I don't go to God and get that joy of the Lord that I need for the day, the rest of my day is done without that joy that the Lord can give me. Think about it. Ian Bounds said in his book, Lifting Up Holy Hands, what the church needs today, and I want you to listen to this, it's not more machinery or better machinery, Not new organizations or or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer and men mighty in prayer. I firmly believe that men and women who are before God and with him on a regular basis can't help but have the glow that God only can give. You remember when Moses went up to Mount Sinai? You remember when he went to go get the Ten Commandments? You remember that? Exodus chapter 34 verse 29 recounts that story, but here's what it says. It came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. So he's up there. He's getting the Ten Commandments. He's talking with God. He's up there. 34 verse 29. He says, getting the two, uh, from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, who had this shine on his face from being with God, behold, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come nigh unto him. Listen to me. When we get serious before God and we get our eyes fixed on him and not on this world, he puts a glow on us. There's the joy of the Lord that nobody, no thing, nothing in, in, that we face can take it away from us. We need to get our eyes off the news and our eyes on Jesus Christ. We need to get our eyes off of social media and into God's book. And we need to get serious about prayer. Some of us are wondering why we don't have the joy of the Lord and we haven't spent a minute with God for the last two weeks. Some of us wonder why we don't have the joy of the Lord and our devotional life is the worst it's ever been. Some of us wonder why we don't have the joy of the Lord and yet we have not spent a minute with God. And I'll be honest with you, I'm the first to say my prayer life isn't what it ought to be, but by God's grace I want it to be better. By God's grace, it ought to be better. I need to spend more time in prayer. Why? Because I need to have a joyful countenance. Why? There's people depending on the joy of the Lord through John Boucher to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's people that are out there that are depending on your joy to hear the gospel. Why? Why would I want what you have if you don't have the joy of the Lord? I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want what some... If an unjoyful person with a grumpy look on his face came to me and says this is what you need <laughs> i would be like all right thank you for being here today would you like a bottle of water and i would send him on his way but if someone came to me with a glow on their face and said let me tell you about the greatest thing that can happen in the life of In your life. And they came to me and they said, this changed my life. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. How he's changed me. I got the joy of the Lord. There's something new in my life. If someone came to me like that, I'd go, oh, there's something I need to take a look at. There's something going on in this person's life that's changed them. They're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What's that become new? I have the joy of the Lord. It's my strength as I move forward, as I see value because I've been with God. So see value in prayer because we see value in the prison. And every one of us ought to see value in that. But every one of us ought to see value in prayer and how important it is. But I want you to catch verse number 20 and we'll end it here. Verse number 20 says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now Christ, also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul says that he hopes his, his hope is that he would be bold in his ministry Number three, see value in your ministry. See value in the prison, because look, every single one of us are going to go through things. Some of us are going through things where we just don't want to have the joy of the Lord because there's shackles on us. Some of us aren't having the joy of the Lord because we don't see the value in prayer. But some of us don't have the joy of the Lord because we don't see the value in the ministry that God has given to us. You know what he said? He said, I... That, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. What is it that God gave to Paul? At that moment, it was to be, ch- it was to be ch- uh, chained and shackled to another prison man, prison guard. That, that was what God given to him at that point. And you know what he says? God, give me boldness to do what you've given me to do. That's what he says. God, give me boldness for the ministry that you've called me to right now. Give me boldness to do what you've asked me to do, whether it be by my life or by my death, because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Every person here has a ministry of some sort. I want you to listen to me for just a few minutes and I'll be done. Every person here has a ministry of some sort. Whether you do the sound uh, in the back for our church services, or you live stream, or you work in the nursery, or you work in our children's ministry, or our youth ministry, or you help in the kitchen, or you're a greeter, or you, you whatever it is that you do, you you clean and you vacuum the the, the, uh, the auditorium, or the fellowship hall, or whatever it is, there is a ministry that God has given to you. And I want you to listen. See value in the ministry that God has given to you. Why? I'll tell you why. Just this past week, a couple weeks ago, I was able to see a young person accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior as a result of working the ministry that God has given to me. Now, you may say, well, Johnny, I work in the nursery. (laughs) Little Micah's not to talk to me and accept jesus christ as his personal savior you know what there may be a struggling mother comes walking through our doors takes a step in and has two kids and says i don't know what to do hey we've got a nursery there's someone with the joy of the lord on their face hey we got a nursery let me take your little one over there there's a couple kids in here they'll have a great time you sit in the service and enjoy what god is doing And maybe get some help. And the little kids come over. And they're sitting there with a joyful nursery worker. As they walk in the room, that nursery worker looks and says, I'm so excited you're here. Is there anything I can do to be of help to you? How can I help you? Well, all I need is just my little one to be watched while I can go sit in and hear the service tonight. Great. I can do that. And the young one comes in and that struggling mother comes and sits in the front couple rows and she's listening to what's going on and she hears how God can change her life and she hears John 3.16, God loved the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son and that mother all of a sudden comes to a knowledge that she needs to accept Jesus Christ as her personal savior and all because there was a nursery worker that was able to take her young person and love on them and care for them and be the do the ministry that God has called them to do. That mother accepts Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. Do you think that nursery worker made a difference? Yeah. Do you think that nursery worker will receive some reward in heaven as a result of that? I think so. Do you get where I'm going tonight? I think us as Christians ought to have the joy of the Lord written all over our face. Some of you have, have not gotten to be a part of a ministry to where God can bless you and give you that joy of the Lord. I'll be honest with you. Me and my wife... Uh, There are some Wednesday nights where I do the ministry that God has called me to do, the youth ministry that we have. And I go home some Wednesday nights and I go, wow, I'm tired. And I sit on the, I shower and I go sit on the couch and I go, what happened tonight? Like, what happened? Then there's those Wednesday nights where I can't get off the phone with enough people because I'm talking about what God has done, how God is blessed in this way, and how this person got saved, and this person's life was changed. And I go home, and there's just all this stuff that God is doing in our midst. And I go, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And I go, that's the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Why? Did, how did I get that joy of the Lord? Because there was a value in the ministry that God gave to me. This past Wednesday night, it was so awesome, and Josiah will testify to the fact. This past Wednesday night, it was so awesome. A couple weeks ago, right before the storm, we had, I did a, I preached a message on Moses in the burning bush, and how Moses gave excuses as to why he could not go, uh, to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. And he gave four different excuses, and I used those excuses as to why we, as young people, don't share the gospel with our friends at school. That's how, that's how that whole thing worked. And this young person, after I was, by the way, after I was finished with that message, I went, that was a flop. Come on. Johnny, you couldn't have done any better with that. And I remember sitting up there packing my stuff up, and a young man comes up. Here's what he says to me. He says, you really helped me tonight. He says, I got a friend at school that God has been telling me to share the gospel with him, but I've been giving excuses, and I really have been giving excuses as to why I can't do it. And one of them even said tonight. I said, okay. He said, tomorrow at school. I mean, he was serious. He said, tomorrow at school, I'm going to go talk to him. He said, you go, buddy. I said, let's pray. So we prayed right there. Lord, help this young man to see the, his need for a Savior. Next week was the hurricane. Uh, we, we weren't here for the storm. And so th- this past week was our first time back. And he comes running up to me. And Miss Cindy, where's Miss Cindy? He comes running up to Miss, oh, she's in the nursery. He comes running up to us. He says, guess what happened? I said, What happened? He said, I was on my way to school, he goes, and I was trying to talk to my friend. He goes, but it just didn't work, but that was on my mind. He said, "And you know, I, we go." he's in an ROTC, and he said, we went out for ROTC, and he goes, we were going to go do our, our thing, and he said, it was lightning out, and we couldn't do our thing, so we were stuck underneath the overhang because of lightning. And he said, it was awful, it just wasn't any fun, and so we were trying to make the best of it underneath the overhang. He goes, so in a lightning delay, I just looked at my friend, and I said, do you want to know more about God? He said, you know, I've been really struggling recently. And he was able to take, the he had, just happened to have in his bag, one of those orange New Testaments. You know those orange New Testaments? He just happened to have one of those in his bag, and he pulled it out, and he grabbed it, and he walked through the gospel with this young man. And he walked right there at Lemon Bay High School, underneath the overhang, and he walked through the gospel with this young man. And that young man, he looked at him, he says, would you like to ask Jesus Christ to be your personal savior? He said, yes, I would. And right there at the school, they prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be his personal savior. This young man did. And he took that New Testament and he, he got in the back, there's a little spot that gives you a chance to write the date that you got saved. And he took that and he wrote on there the date and the date that he got saved and, and his name and he says, "This I want you to hold on to this. This is your Bible now. You can remember that day you got saved. I didn't tell him to do that. He did that on his own. You know what he did the next week? So this pastor, he tells me that story. You know what he does? He says, Pastor Johnny, is it okay if I get another Bible so I can go share the gospel with one of my friends? I said, yes, you can have another Bible. You know what he did that night? I went home and rejoiced. You know why? Because the ministry that God gave to me, it was a blessing and it gave me the joy of the Lord that night. Some of you haven't had the joy of the Lord because you're not a part of the ministry that God's asking you to be a part of. Some of you haven't seen the joy of the Lord because there's things that God's asking you to do and you're not doing it. You know what ministry that all of us are a part of? reaching people with the gospel. Every single one of us ought to be sharing the gospel with people around us. The best thing is when someone prays to receive Christ as Savior and you're a part of that, and you can say, I had a part in seeing someone's eternal destiny changed. You know, there's nothing that gives you more joy of the Lord than that. I'm just telling you. There isn't couple weeks ago we had a young young lady get saved in youth group a couple weeks before that two young people got saved a couple weeks before that two more adults got saved things are happening and we're seeing people saved that it's awesome and i'm telling you to be a part of that is so awesome and paul says here listen you want to know how you can have the joy of the lord i, I i'm in prison but you know what i'm going to further the gospel as a result of it i'm going to have the joy of the lord even though i'm in prison and even though i'm shackled up i'm going to be joyful Because I can pray and I can see the one who knows everything. And I'm going to be joyful because I see value in the ministry that God has given to me right now.